KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's been in the works for more than half a century. Finally, scientists unlocked a breakthrough in nuclear fusion technology that could ultimately lead to cleaner energy in the future. For the last 50, 60 years, you would hear people say it's only 20 years away, and this changes everything. Dr. Christopher Peters is a professor in the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department at Drexel University. Even he had his doubts that we'd see something like this anytime soon. Fuel independence, that's the biggest one. If we can produce this technology, we can be fuel independent and not have to be worrying about other countries. But the truth is, for all the potential good this technology could do, there might be some drawbacks. There may be other paths. There's never always just one way to solve something. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, what happened at the National Ignition Facility and whether the hope is worthy of all the hype. For people that maybe just saw a headline, kind of explain what this fusion breakthrough was that was achieved at the Lawrence Livermore National Lab out in California earlier this month. So for years, there's been the concept of with fusion that you get you can get out more energy out than what you put in. And for years, they've done this research and have never been able to break even. And now finally, they've been able to get more energy out than what they've put in. And this is due to the way their the whole system is configured. It was like lasers into liquid nitrogen or something like that? Okay. So what they have, what's called a hole room, the, the fuels hold within a diamond shell, a sphere, but, but that's contained inside what's called a hole room, which is made out of, which is lined with gold. And these lasers sit there and hit the uh, convert the laser light to X-rays when they hit the gold, and then those those X-rays ablate the diamond off the fuel cell off the fuel sphere, and that causes an implosion. And what that does is that reaches you're compressing this golf ball very very densely, and it increases the temperature and allows these particles to reach really high speeds to where they can fuse together. What they achieved was completely unprecedented. We've never been able to do that. Never been able to do that. I've heard some people screaming this from the mountaintop. I've heard other people saying, tap the brakes. It's nice, but it's not It's not this huge breakthrough. Is this a huge deal or is this a big step on the way to the huge deal? This is a potential huge step. Now, let's premise this. It took two megajoules of energy in less than a second to get out three megajoules. That's two megajoules of energy, laser energy, hitting the target. But however, it requires about two to 300 megajoules of energy to do that because the lasers are only about 1% efficient. So you're not really getting out overall more, more energy out than what you put in. You're getting more energy out than what you put in at the target. This gives us an opportunity to say, yes, we, we can do this now. Is this a road now, a potential road to go down? It's one. There's a lot of other a lot of other research going on in other configurations. But right now, as of now, this is one road to go down for potential. Now, like I said, it took two to three hundred megajoules of input to actually get three megajoules out. So what this really means is that we have to start looking at ways to get bigger yield output from from the laser targets, making our lasers more efficient. Lasers are less than one percent efficient. It's a lot of energy in to get a, to get a little bit of energy out proportionately. And then also the problem is they only were able to do this once a day. You need to fire this off five to six times a minute 
to get the level that of, of power plant sustainability. I believe it's a great feat that we're able to get out more than what we put in from, at the target. However, there's a lot of roads that we have to go down. What this will do is this will stimulate a way of thought and a new way of, of improving our, to do research on things that we already have existing, but now improve them. Why is this so important? Like, why are we working so hard to try to do this or try to get to the top of this mountain? What could this unlock if we can do this on the regular at the levels that you're talking about? Why would it be important? Okay, so let's talk about from, from a, a conventional nuclear power plant for the, from the beginning. You have fuel rods, and, and which are made in assemblies. And when they get spent, when they get used, they're still radioactive. So you have to put them into a pool for two to five years to let them cool down and then put them in caskets. And that stays on the plant site for, uh, forever. Now, there are people that are talking about things like Yucca Mountain, where we can store that, 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 that radioactive material. With fusion, you have much, much reduced radioactive material. One, the only thing that produces the radioactive material potentially is the neutron coming off of the reaction and hits the containment walls. But that's very minor compared to what you'll get from the fuel from regular nuclear power plants right now. It's great from that point of view. Two, it's a basically a carbon-less way of, of energy output. It's clean energy in this aspect, cleaner. I should say nothing's ever 100% clean, but it's a, one of the cleaner approaches. Three, fuel independence. That's the biggest one. If we can produce this technology, then we, will be, we can be fuel independent and not have to be worrying about other countries for dependency on fuel. This sounds incredible, like the, the end game here. Is there any downside like is there a yeah but along the line here somewhere or really because this does have that holy grail feel to it that if we could master this like oh my goodness so many problems would be solved the problem right now is these these fuel pellets are made out of with gold lining and it's they're very expensive to make and they're very high tolerance tight tolerances on how to on these devices on the fuel on the fuel pellets basically so it's going to have to be a way to mass produce this cheaply. That's going to be the problem. And be, being that it uses gold, gold stocks are going to go down and the, and the prices of gold are going to go up. So it's going to turn gold into a, basically put us on another standard. So I think there are issues with this. If this was to work and we could 40, 50 years from now, get everything working, then this is, a, this is a potentially a quote unquote, holy grail. Basically, we're looking to try to do like what the sun and stars do. Is that like kind of the baseline theory behind this? Here's the basic concept. So let's say you have two oranges and three apples. If you put them together, the total mass is going to be the mass of three times the mass of an apple and two times plus two times the mass of an orange. But that's now how it works for the nucleus. If you take X protons and N neutrons and you put them together, it's not the individual, the sum, total sum is not the sum of the individuals. It's less than that. Every one of those particles gives up some of its mass to energy to keep itself bound. So mother nature is not, it's never always something free. It gives up its mass. So when you put two of these devices, two, two light elements together, you become a more, you create more, a more bound system, which gives off more energy. So it's exactly what the sun is doing. It's just putting two light materials together and forming a heavier object at the, at the low atomic number scale. 
And then that creates a much more bound system, which allows you to have much more, much more mass converted to energy. As someone who studies this, who follows this, were you surprised by this? Did you have a feeling we were getting close to turning this corner? Honestly, I, I, I had very, I had doubts at first because for the last 50, 60 years, you would hear, you would hear people say it's only 20 years away. And, you know, in, in every 10 years, they say 20 years away and it always changes. This changes everything. This is a physics experiment, but it's a big physics experiment. Big, big physics experiment that that's going right. Is this one of the biggest scientific breakthroughs in the last 20 years overall across the board? To be able to do this, to self-ignite, keep the reaction going on for, I know it's only a fraction of a second, but that's longer than what we've ever done before. Yes, this is a very big, big step. It's, I think it's one of the bigger scientific advances in the last 20 years. This is a path that we think may work, but there's, there may be other paths. There's never always just one way to solve something. So the, the government has worked with in private public partnerships, funding these small groups to find out what could we other other ways to do this, because this is still an expensive way. If we were to do this right now, there may be another way low cost, lower, more efficient way. But as of now, this is the first step that it can be done. With this breakthrough, within a half century, are we looking at that big a window or could this progress really accelerate now because of this breakthrough? I think what will happen is now that we have the idea that it can happen, that the, the, the concept that it does, we can do this. A lot of money will be poured into the technologies that, that did this to make them faster, cheaper, more efficient, in the hopes that 50, 60 years from now, we'll get somewhere. It's hard to get your head around how much this could change society if we were to master this. It'll significantly reduce the amount of, of fossil fuel. We'll always need fossil fuels for cars or tractors or something like that, for, for things like that. But for, for main power, this would be a huge thing. And like I said, it will reduce the radioactive waste consumption. You talk about this approach. Is this a universal approach? Is everybody doing what we do or are other countries, other labs doing other things? Oh, there are other labs across the world that are doing other things. And this is not the first fusion reactor. We, the Russians, we've been doing fusion research for years, especially with, this, with magnetic confinement. So what happens is with magnetic confinement is you create a plasma with the hydrogen. And what that allows them to do is you can make it more electrically conductive and you can heated up with microwave sources or some other sources to get this to get this plasma really hot and dense but you can confine it in a magnetic field that's what they're doing they're not using lasers they're using another heating source to heat up the plasma to create the reaction whereas this is just using lasers russia's doing this there's also the um iter iter reactor that that's looking to use magnetic confinement and they haven't had i guess obviously they haven't had a breakthrough like this Nothing like this. This is the first time, as far as I know, this is the first time that we've been able to get out more than what we put in on the target. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.
A Philadelphia dentist today was sentenced to 22 years in prison and fined $100,000. This was just unbelievable. You gotta understand the genius in Larry. Nobody was doing coke at this point. No one could believe that this highly educated, young, handsome man was this kingpin drug dealer. This is Wolves Among Us, the Larry Lavin story. A documentary podcast from C13 Originals, a Cadence 13 studio. Listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.